0: The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Welcome to this episode of Pit Life Barbecue. Gather round the pit with your hosts, Johnny Mags and Greg the Barbecue Broker Giorgio. Let's talk barbecue.
1: What's up everybody coming to you live from the Studio 21 Podcast That's Cafe safe. In Salem, New Hampshire, it's the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast, where we talk everything barbecue and a lot of other topics that you normally talk around a pit. Oh, yeah. As always, I'm joined by the Barbecue Broker. Yeah, dog. What's up, my man? What's up, dude? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Sharing, sharing the show out to the, my personal page there. There we go. Hit
2: that. You're the- supposed to do that before the show, not when the C-Mack. show starts. See
1: Brother Andy. He's so unprofessional.
2: What the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> well, let me start sharing How would I share it
1: before the show actually starts. Just kind of you tell—it's a live show. How can I share it
2: All before? Right. You're right. I just jumped on Greg's bandwagon. I didn't really actually put thought into that. I just was
0: agreeing with Greg. Neither did work. he. <laughs> <laughs> that's normal. He I should have known you better. you down the wrong side. <laughs> uh, I should have known better.
2: What's up, brother? Hi. Long time no seeing. we I feel like I'm sitting on your lap. Are we close? You're perfect. Uh, are we? Yeah, because okay. you got to guess. You got a third person on that stage oh, what? with you today. What's up, bro? Yeah, so technically Chris is to the, just to the right of you. Wait, yeah, he's over here. No, no.
1: the other it's way. You can see it's opposite. A- <laughs>
0: it's
1: opposite <laughs> on the screen. Don't, don't don't pay attention to
2: this. Where am I? Yeah, it's these okay. ribs look. I, I'm just, I know. We'll it's talk dude. about it after. Right. You know who else's ribs look good this past week?
1: Hours, yes, they did. I have to say, we'll, we'll get this mushy uh bromance thing over with real mm. quick, mm-hmm. dude. That was so much fun, man. Did that little,
2: was such a good night. Did today. a little, little, little comp, a little competition practice on some chicken and ribs, yeah, six different ways. Ugh. We, you know, we're just going for kind of taste and tenderness type of thing, not so much prettiness of the cutting of the ribs, so to speak. So we had three racks so we split them up into halves we had six different and uh, wow
0: Drooling.
2: amazing and and the chicken and the chicken was really good for backyard standard but we overdid it a little bit i think it got too, and, too dark but a little you know bit dark. it was okay. moist tender you wouldn't complain through skin you it would was... not oh, the skin was and what Can i just for, what a pain in the ass oh yeah scraping the back of those skins uh-huh I, Yeah. I don't want that you, job again. You want to know the
1: you <laughs> want to know the trick is getting the right angle, and the knife has to be razor sharp. If you get the right angle, you can start with the cut in motion and literally peel,
2: roll the skin right off. You gotta off the have back. a sharp knife. If not, you're just tugging away at those skins. Yep.
1: Good knife skills. Let's see who we got here. Kyle, brother What's Randy. What's up, Kyle? Venus, Randy, thank you so much. Ooh, ooh, got the ooh. package. So did I. Steve Burrow, we will see you on Saturday. Mm-hmm. C Mac, Uncle
2: Steve. Hi, What's Uncle, up, Steve? Uncle Steve. Speaking of Uncle Steve, today's show brought to you by. And always brought to you by everybody's favorite uncle, it's Uncle Steve's Shake. Hey, you ever wonder why your neighbor has a ton of people waiting to get into his backyard every time he lights up that barbecue? But no one's coming to your house. The reason is, you're not using Uncle Steve's Shake, and your neighbor obviously is. So, means one thing, you better get you some. Uncle Steve's Shake, it's handmade, it uses only the finest ingredients, and it comes in 10 amazing flavors, including the newly renamed competition line the pig, the cow, and the bird. Shake. You got it, brother. If you have any shake questions, Uncle Steve has fantastic customer service. They're going to walk you through all your shake needs. It's time to take your backyard game and your competition. I'm going to add that. And your competition game to the next level. There you when go. With Uncle Steve's shake. shake. Shake some them on, on everything. everything. Uncle Steve, brother shake. Brother Kent.
0: Huh?
1: What's up, Daddy Dutch? Ray, Ray, what's up, brother?
2: And today's show also brought to you by...
1: Two Guys Smoke Shop and TwoGuysCigars.com. Whether we are barbecuing or not, we always keep the smoke rolling thanks to our friends at Mm TwoGuysCigars.com. Today we are smoking the Regis Black. Thanks to our friends from TwoGuysCigars.com, we get to smoke some of the best cigars in the world. And so can you. Can you? Just visit TwoGuysCigars.com. For your perfect barbecue companion. Now, Greg, pay yeah, attention. That's, that's the number two guysaguyz uh, Just yeah. in case there's
2: any confusion. I know you get confused. You get you get ahead of yourself. You, you get confused. You get but we're not confused about who's on today's show. Absolutely. Oh. No. These not ribs enough. almost these ribs almost look as good as ours. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it, La- ladies and gentlemen. We are happy to. Un- <laughs> Bring to you today. First time on the show. For the first time on the show, talking about his brand new book, The Four Fundamentals of Smoking Pitmaster's Secrets to Make an Incredible Barbecue at Home. The barbecue Buddha,
2: Chris Sessman. Chris, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show, my man.
0: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. I have listened to you for a while, and I'm excited to be a participant finally.
2: Awesome, dude! It's glad to <laughs> glad to
1: have you. Glad Absolutely. to have it. We have to have one question right off the bat because my phone has been getting blown up all morning long. Of you're getting your you're getting your guests incorrect. What is there? T- do you says, find, what? is there any confusion <laughs> of who the Barbecue Buddha is and the company Barbecue Buddha. Buddha, our friend Ray Sheehan? Everybody been asking me, oh, Ray's coming back on, Ray's coming. I go, no, 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 no. We're going to get to that. We'll get to, there's a bit of. Is the, it different?
2: barbecue Buddha
0: out the, the there. The
1: viewers and listeners Is are different. a little co- little c- confused
2: today.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I know Ray, Ray and I have had this conversation before. When I started the Barbecue Buddha, my blog in 2014, I did all the requisite stuff once I came up with the name and Googled it and, and Ray hadn't appeared on the scene yet. Not saying he wasn't doing his thing, but it obviously didn't come up on my radar. So I started and it was really just backyard fun and Instagramming for the longest time. And by the time I started taking it seriously, like my side hustle started to become a hustle hustle. Mm -hmm. I knew Ray and Ray knew me. And at this point he had locked up, um, the, the trademark for the name, but you know, it, it, it really is. I go by, that's my nickname. I go by the barbecue Buddha. His product line is the barbecue Buddha. And at the end of the day, I'm not selling rubs and sauces. Yep, and uh, and uh, and if people get the two of us confused, and I help his bottom line, Ray's a really great guy, and I hope he makes an extra nickel off of uh, <laughs> whatever whatever claim to fame I'm bringing to myself. So we're coexisting nicely.
2: Okay. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Because if not, there's only one way to settle it, right? Cook off. Yeah. A good old fashioned arm, arm wrestling match, and I want to be there for it. <laughs> take Ray, or Ray will just take you over the top. You ever see you over the top with Stallone? Oh, man. Stay yeah. focused. Classic. Okay, go ahead. Stay focused. Stay focused. <laughs> Let's go. Sunshine. Yeah. So, Chris Sussman,
1: The Barbecue Buddha, fantastic book. But for anybody who doesn't know, mm-hmm. how did you get your start? Obviously, you were talking food blogs and... Where where have you gone from there?
0: So I started cooking uh, barbecue in the early 2000s. Like most people, I was a gas griller, and I loved to be outside smoking cigars, drinking a nice beer or bourbon and cooking anything. It was the way I liked to live and then a buddy of mine uh, had, you know a guy who in an, in a million years I never would have guessed he was serious about cooking he was just my beer drinker buddy i'd go over to his house to play guitar and he he had a weber kettle and he had an indirect zone and a direct zone and he made like smoked pork tenderloin with his barbecue glaze i was like holy cow dude how did you know how to do this And he gave me Stephen Reichlin's Barbecue USA book, Yep, and I got the bug. And so I started getting my pits. The first pit I got was a Weber Smoky Mountain, and I eventually moved on to Big Green Egg, which I primarily cook on now. Mm -hmm. I've also cooked on Traeger. I've got a big 250-gallon offset. So that's where I really got my start um, in all of that. And I don't want to keep up talking and talking and talking. So I could go on. Beautiful. I was, you do what you got to do, in man. Virginia. I lived in Northern Virginia at the time, and I became really good friends yep. with Chris Capel and the guys at Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Yep. Yes. And I started to get a taste of competition by uh, going just being a fly on the wall and cooking mm-hmm. with them and helping out any way I could. And I really saw what barbecue competition was like. But most importantly, I really got into the whole egg world. You know, Chris Capel and Dizzy Pig were very gracious and mm-hmm. introduced me and brought me to several Eggtoberfests until I finally uh, put together a team and was on a team that took <coughs> second nice. two years in a row and then we finally won. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, the Eggtoberfest yep. was choice. And that's really when, when everything started to take off for me personally.
2: Oh, that's awesome. How many eggs you running yeah. now?
0: What do you, what you got? I, uh, well, I'm, I have two locations. I'm currently in between two homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got three eggs down here at the Florida home and <laughs> I think I've got six eggs up at my Louisville home plus oh, wow. various other grills. So wow. my wife is trying to. Get me to sell some of them, but I doubt it. you I will. have the biggest one, <laughs> like the double X. You got that? The, you get the you know, boy. I don't have the double X. Ooh, uh, why I, is that? I like to get the double X, but uh, the, my favorite one is the XL. I think that does pretty much everything. It's the most efficient. Does everything for me. What's so, what's I the, love the what's
2: the biggest piece of meat you've you've gotten on the on the double XL?
0: Uh, I did. I guess like a small, the, like a little hog. You know? Oh, you did? About, yeah, yeah. That can fit on pretty well. Nice, dude. That was fun, cook. Ooh, a little suckling pig nice. What would, think, say, yeah. what would you say? What would you say for all
2: the green eggers out there always fighting with this with the gaskets, man? Gaskets are brutal. I have a green egg. I have a large. What, what in your opinion, what's the best gasket setup uh, for the big green egg?
0: So for the or any time, tomato, Rutland, I guess for that matter, Rutland gasket. Okay, is, is the standard that everybody uses off market. Uh, the problem with the original gaskets with the Big Green Egg is they weren't really designed for high heat, but yeah, they were selling them to be able to do the steak cooks and more importantly, mm. like the pizza cooks, so you'd burn your gasket out. Rutland takes high heat. And the other good thing about a Rutland is you only have to put it on the, on the one bottom, side, either the dome side. The, or yeah, bottom.
2: I heard that. Okay.
0: Now, since then, Big Green Egg has come out with a new and improved, a high heat gasket that I do oh. have on all my new eggs. And okay. That, that works pretty well. Okay. Uh, but that you have to put on the top and the bottom. As
2: long as it'll have to redo it on an annual basis, that's all. I it's just pain in the ass. It's pain in the ass. I'll tell you the Weber kettle, like the-, the kettle's taken over the eggs' position a little bit. Kind of said, step aside. I'm easier to clean, and I heat up just as good.
0: You know, that's why you got to you got to develop a a pool of apprentices that want to learn from you and then you get them to come over and you're like, well, the most important thing you have to learn is maintenance. So
2: here's how you change the gas. Wow. Beautiful. My sons are just, my twin boys turning 12, so they're just about ready to, you know, get that muscle behind it. You know what I mean? Uh, That's a Yeah, they're just getting ready to go. That's a pro move right there. Yep. I like that. Number one, maintenance. Maintenance. You'll be in this phase for the next four years, son. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful.
1: Um from everybody and we're looking at the chat and everyone is talking about, you know, your Instagram page and your following there. You know what made you start with the Instagram or choose Instagram over, you know, a Facebook or YouTube, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, um I have a lovely daughter. She's uh twenty eight, about to turn twenty nine, if you could believe it. And she, when she was growing up, she'd always teach me the latest, and greatest, cool social media, you know, MySpace and Facebook. But Instagram really uh, enamored me because it, at the time it was just a picture. And it was, you know, it was like you posted a picture and then you moved on. There wasn't like this heavy duty or like putting everything out there for everybody to see and study. It was just if you put a great picture out there, it was good. So. I started doing stuff really early on, like posting pictures of me cooking things on the big green egg, which now everybody does that stuff. But back then, nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. And it just grew from there. The biggest reason why I really uh, uh, kept and grew that audience is the engagement and in Instagram. You build a community of people that you're so good friends with you really get to know as if you've met them, and then when you see them at these festivals and egg fests or barbecue competitions or what have you, mm-hmm. it's this amazing kinship, and, and there's nothing like it. So that was really what, what did it for me. I love the engagement on Instagram. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think it goes with, with all social media. Yeah. You know, because um, we're, we're on everything, you know, so we know different people from Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, me especially, and mm-hmm. you now, too, yeah. um, on YouTube, mm-hmm. doing YouTube videos and, you know, meeting everybody, and like you said, you, you build relationships and become a family with, the, with everybody, and you've never met them, mm-hmm. and it's, right. you know, it's the craziest thing, but, you know, you get to a place, and you actually meet face-to-face, no one would ever know
0: that that would that be the first per, first show, right? time including, you ever meeting, including the two of you. I mean, yeah, it's like you just pick up like, hey. I mean, it's easiest relationships I've ever made is that way. So, mm-hmm.
2: and it's it's not easy either. I mean, build. A, I think these algorithms have changed over the years. It's it it's work. It is work. Even then and now, it's a commitment to build these communities, staying on top of your game. You know what I mean?
0: It's work. It is. It's hard work. And it's it, really, it is work. Yep. And, it, and especially when you make critical mass where people are really like waiting on you like a TV show. I yeah. mean, I really got, you know, I, I had bronchitis a couple of, you know, last week and it was real bad and I was out I couldn't produce content for a couple of days. And it's like people are like, Where are you? Are you okay? You know, right, I mean, right. Good to do a <laughs> like, I'm here. I have forgotten. <laughs> so.
1: Oh, oh for sure. Yeah, everybody's, you know, always up to what are you doing? What are you doing? So that's a, that's a cool part, you yeah. know?
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: So obviously you've been doing your, the Instagram, the blogs and everything. Where did the idea of the cookbook come from?
0: So for for me... You know, and especially doing the stuff we do on social media, you get opportunities like this a lot, especially if you have a blog, which I've had for a while. But most of the book deals that will, like, come across or that you talk about, they really are just hiring you as a writer. You know, hey, we like your blog. We like what you do. We want a Kamado-style book. And here are the 20 recipes that you need to write for this section, blah, 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 which was all interesting to me. But I had stuff that I wanted to say, you know, I am a backyard pit guy that had a job for a while and and learned all this stuff and 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 kept a journal and did all this stuff that you hear people need to do. But I felt like I could now distill that into an experience to help the next generation of pit backyard pit masters learn some of these things. And the reason why I'm an engineer by trade, and I want to know why. I want to be able to easily understand. Okay, okay, you're telling me I need to mop or, or mist, and I get it. I'll follow that in the recipe, but why? Well, yeah. I want to know why. So at least the why will help me follow recipes, a great recipe. So the book came. Page Street Publishing is an awesome uh, uh, publishing company. Uh, they distribute through Macmillan Press. So I'm in bookstores all over the place, all over the world. And uh, I really liked working with them because they were like, tell me your idea for a book. They didn't come to me and say, hey, here's the book we want you to write. They were like, what do you want to write? And I pitched this idea that I wanted to do half narrative uh, and I wanted to do half recipes. And I wanted to be able to do in the narrative to be able to say, hey, I'm you. You're me. These are the lessons I learned. I'm not telling you any gospel. I'm not saying fat side up, fat side down, because that's the way you're supposed to do it. I'm telling you, here's what I've learned and why, so you can make up your own mind and most importantly, you could get some of that experience for yourself and not just be beholden to recipe mm. writing and reading.
2: Makes sense. You having some trouble there? You okay? Just like myself, it's a whole balance issue. <laughs> You do seem off balance the, from time to time.
1: The book's top heavy. When you I get don't. 300 plus pounds, you let me know how your balance <laughs> yeah. gets there, son. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, you, you move with this for 20-something years. You tell me how your balance goes. Getting there. <laughs> so the four fundamentals of smoking. And like I said, I've, I've had this. Um, Charlotte at Page Three was great, great enough to get, a, get us a copy Early, and this is fantastic. It, it really is. You know, everybody Page Street um, works with, puts out an incredible book. Mm-hmm. I have not seen one yet that, uh, you know, I've been disappointed. Everybody has their own little spin, their tech tips and techniques, and it's just great to see everyone's different views on things. Mm-hmm. But what I like about yours, Chris— is the four fundamentals. Well, you know, there's regular cookbooks, but you break it down, like you said, half the um, recipes and half the fundamentals, narratives. Mm -hmm. You know, and it starts off with fuel, combustion, and wood. You know, what is your idea on the best fuel, best way to get the great combustion, and the types
0: of wood to choose? So, great question, uh, this book, another thing about the book, even though I primarily cook on big green eggs, the book does cover Weber Smokey Mountain and Traeger Grills, so I wanted to really approach to all barbecuers in their backyard, whatever they're cooking on, and sort of decouple combustion from smoke or from wood, right? The, most people are like, ah, oh, well, you burn the wood, and that's, that's, the, that's how it works, And I want them to understand that in a charcoal grill, you know, you're using charcoal for the combustion and wood for smoke and a, and a Kamado grill, you're using lump charcoal and and wood for smoke. And in a Traeger, you're using electricity for the combustion Mm -hmm. and the pellets for smoke. And here's how to think about each of those things. And here's why that's important. The biggest, so what from there, well, I should stop and then, and, People will be all excited, and then they have to go buy the book. But I'll give them a secret. The biggest thing is you—you know—it drove me crazy for years. People say you need to have clean smoke, clean smoke before you put your thing. Up. Clean smoke—that's like uh, that doesn't make sense. There's no such thing as clean smoke. What does clean blue smoke mean? So for me, I wanted to do a di- deep dive on what actually gives you the flavor from the wood, and that is the combustion with the living organics in real wood smoking wood and it isn't the white stuff you see billowing out of your smoker your grill that's all the carcinogens that are burning off it's the actual gas that's released from the combustion the certain heat and temperature of a combustion and it's that gas that you're trying to imbue in on the meat or the proteins that you're cooking in your smoker in my personal journey that was a giant aha moment Mm. and i wanted to be able to do enough research and enough understanding so I could explain it to people in a simple way so they can have an aha moment for themselves.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. And
0: oh oh
1: brother Alton, the dog father is in the house. Oh the dog father. Yep. Yep. And
2: Matt, he, um, Matty um what's up? He dude? Just, he
1: he just said he just ordered a copy of the Four Fundamentals, so
2: Yep. Here we go, Here
1: right we off go. the bat. Cry daddy in the house. So he must
0: have ordered that before I told him that fundamental right there. So he hit yes. on See? my little teaser. Mm-hmm. hope he's not disappointed now that I gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> ah.
2: I do want to take just a, a quick minute to wish everyone a happy 420. Brad Mirabello just reminded me. I wanted to say happy 420, everybody. I think you already knew what it was today. I may or may not have.
1: Yes, <laughs> but you know, it's funny because let me.
2: I got questions
1: on yep. e- each chapter. You you have you have a great um, block on the top of a page mm-hmm. of the you you call them Mythbusters or Pro right. Moves, and oh, I think the those are great. And the one that w- is there oh, tips is, <laughs> and I thank you for. Do- I personally. Thank you for doing this, because <laughs> I found myself in this argument this week, as a matter of fact, of, do you soak your wood? No. 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 Thank you. No.
2: Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: and Again, we, but I didn't... I, didn't I did the, the beginning of time. <laughs> people say, you soak wood, or you don't, you know, there's these two camps, like you always get, you know, and barbecue mythology I wanted to explain why and it's about the combustion we talked about earlier if you have to have your combustion at a certain temperature in order to release that gas that you need to get into your meat You can't possibly get that temperature if you soak your wood. Yeah, it's going to last longer, but it's going to last longer because it's never getting to that high enough combustion point to release gases that will imbue that flavor. So all you're getting is wet smoke flavor. It's like when you were a kid and you were camping. You know, mm-hmm. with the Boy Scouts or whatever. And if you ever camped in the rain and then you cooked the hot dogs in there and you had those the hot dogs didn't taste like good fire-roasted hot dogs, they tasted like moldy socks. Yep. That's that wet wood <laughs> flavor.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you have to soak your wood to make it last longer or whatever, you're probably using wood that's too dry to start with. Right? Get some better wood.
0: Or you're using too much wood. Are you? Oh, you're so buying, you you wood, smoke oh, you're the buying you wood. you're buying you wood. You buying wood
2: at Home Depot? If you're soaking it,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> then maybe you need to be soaked. <laughs> the the number two fundamental,
1: which I find this one absolutely fascinating, controlling humidity. Mm-hmm. Now, so we, is that talk the about, is there humidity? I uh, you know. New England summers, you know, Florida humidity. We're talking general humidity or humidity
0: in your cooking vessel? It's specifically humidity in your cooking vessel Mm and why that's so important. However, I do go into the book when you're in higher altitude or hotter environments or colder environments, the need for insulated fireboxes and what grills do it better than others. But that chapter and that fundamental specifically is I want to set the reader up to say, hey, You know, here's how you generate smoke flavor. You have combustion at X and you get this gas, right? Well, then where does the gas go? How do you get, how does the gas get into the meat? How does the gas give wood flavor to your barbecue? And the answer to that is humidity. You need to have certain humidity inside of your environment to, uh, for the gas to stick to. If you're, Pellicle, or the pellicle is the the film on your uh, meat as it's cooking before it forms the bark. If it's too dry, there's nothing for that gas to stick to. If it's too wet, it will just bounce off. Mm-hmm. So it's that perfect management of that pellicle and when to mist and when to mop, and in what environment do you need a water pan versus another environment where you don't. And those are the things I want to explain. It's that one-to-one gas to humidity that's giving you the flavor that you're looking for in your backyard barbecue or in any barbecue. Yeah, like That could make a was, difference where we are
2: because whether, you know, you're in a cool, you know, fall or winter versus uh, August, July, when the humidity is yeah, peaking, you know, that's going to be yeah, interesting. If you're in a naturally
0: over, you know, 84% human environment, Probably, and you don't have an insulated firebox. You're probably not going to mist or mop or put a water pan in your smoker. You're probably going to give too much moisture in there, mm. and therefore you'll have good meat, but it won't have that flavor you're looking for.
1: Alton, that makes sense. A humidor is for the cigars, but somewhat same preference. Yeah, but same a metador, same
2: science metador. Meet-a-door. 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 We've started Ooh. it now.
0: You heard I it like first. like it.
2: Whoever takes the idea, I'm going home and copywriting that, so <laughs> just try me. Meet-a-door. It's a good one. Nice. You got some questions, so Well, I was just wondering. Throw. So, I noticed on your, um, on your dry rub, um, you know, simple salt, pepper. But I, I noticed you throw a little Lowry's in there. Yeah, is that because the kosher salt? Because I hear some people use kosher salt. Some people like to use sea salt. It's a little bit more saltier, less flaky. Whatever. Do you throw it on there because you don't think you're getting enough kosher salt, or why? Why
0: or just like the flavor that Lowry's gives
2: in in the it's, in the rub?
0: It's just a little. I think when I started to discover using that, yep. you yeah. Know, when I really wanted to emulate Aaron Franklin and make Texas brisket, you know, I did the fifty-fifty. Then I've played around with like Stephen Reichland's, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, where he puts in part uh, red pepper flakes, cracked red pepper flakes. Yeah. Fr- yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Ready. Yeah, yep. Uh, but and then a lot of other people like to put cumin and all these other aromatics mm-hmm. in there, and I like that. I like other rubs on brisket, but I really wanted to do something different with my Texas style brisket that would make people feel very familiar. Like it's the salt pepper that they used to, but there's a little like, Hmm, you know, something Mm. new to them. And so by taking out some of the kosher salt and supplanting that with Lowry's, which has trace amounts of that type of stuff, it's got a little garlic salt in there. It's got a little uh, other aromatics in that. I think it just gives that enough of a, hmm, this is different, but good and familiar
1: yeah. to
0: the people that eat my brisket um, that I wanted to share with the readers. Uh, instead of getting all fancy and saying, well, do an eighth of a teaspoon of cumin and chili powder. Yeah, pie yeah, and yeah. That and the other. Lowry seems to be a one-size-fits-all, pretty good salt substitute when it's mixed in with heavy black pepper and kosher salt.
2: And, you know, it's the reason why I ask is because I just bought... My first bottle of Lowry salt this week. <laughs> I, told, I, I showed it to you. I was like, you know, I never use this stuff. But I see a lot of cooks use it in general, not just in barbecue. So I, I bought myself and I was trying to figure out how can I implement that. And um, what, did we throw a little bit on the chicken? A little, a little yeah. coating? It's got a little cornstarch in it too, Lowry's. Yeah.
0: And, and it's the granules is so, so fine. fine. So it's like the meat church rubs. You know, it gives a really good foundation. Mm-hmm. Where With the large crystals of kosher salt and the heavy meshed black pepper, it's hard to get coverage. And so Lowry sort of lays this foundation down that evenly spreads the... the the seasoning over the brisket. Totally. We put some regular uh,
2: rub on the bottom of the thighs and then under the skin, before we laid the skin over, we, I did a little coat of Lowry's, laid the skin on top of that. We already scraped the bottom. We would practice in competition style. But I'm thinking that Lowry's maybe soaked a little bit more of that moisture out. It was, it was really nice bite through skin. And then I came over, yeah. came over the skin with a little bit of rub after. But the Lowry's... It's a new secret weapon, and just
0: like uh, and just the old like new we secret weapon earlier about <laughs> replacing the gasket. You yep. just need to get your son to take the fat off the skin and your it <laughs> <off>. Yep, hundred percent promo, promo, and then and then your problem is solved. You See, <laughs> they call me the barbecue dude.
2: Of <laughs> That's right, genius, genius. So one one other question I had. So you, I love your pro tips as you go along. One you had on the brisket. If you mind, if I just throw it out there. Uh, it, sure. it, it, it's you know it's about the common debate of the fat side up, the fat side down, and, and a lot of people talk about no, that really depends on your smoker, right? And if your heat source is coming from the top or the bottom or whatnot. So I noticed that in your pictures when you're cooking on, on your egg, you go, um, you know, the heat source is from the bottom on an egg, but you you, know, you go fat side down on that to protect. And I've always looked at the egg and I, being an egg owner myself, that heat deflector plate in there. Making that heat come up and it comes right back down, on the brisket on the top of the brisket. So it's almost like top down, bottom up in the egg. It's almost like you could have your choice. Have you ever right. cooked fat side up on the egg, ever, or have you? Found- I have
0: before I started. You know, at the beginning yep. of my journey, you know, you there was this huge debate: fat right. side up, fat side down. Totally. And, and as I've studied it. I've realized a lot of that advice I was given early on was just somebody else's barbecue religion that they had been taught. They didn't know why they were telling you fat side up or fat side down. That's just what they would learn. So when I started to read it, like, for instance, Aaron Franklin, all of his is fat side up because that's what he considers his presentation layer. That's the side side. That he's gonna be serving and slicing when he gets, uh, when, when people are waiting in line. He's also using an offset smoker where the heat's coming primarily from yep. the top. Yes. Um, yes. So for me, it's, you know, there, there is a lot of argument. What I finally have come to do, and you'll see the picture in the book on the big green egg in particular, yep. most other barbecue meats that I do for low and slow in the big green egg, I don't put any water in there. But for a brisket, I'll put like a little quarter steam pan in yep. the back filled yep. with water, and I think that sort of offsets what you're what you're getting from the top down.
2: Oh, um, I see. I see.
0: You're getting that extra humidity yep. in there and moisture, but you're also sort of giving a heat sink, if you will, for that heat when it's bouncing around the dough.
2: I've went back and forth. I've tried it both ways a number of times. I keep going back to fat side up in the egg, and what I've learned to do is – I put my, heat, my water source below it in a pan. So I have yeah. the whole grate to work with on my large. And I make it so the flat, you know how it's kind of like a triangle shape in a way? So I make yep. it so the flat is over one end of them. Of, so it's kind of, it protects it. It's almost like a natural yeah. protector. And then where it comes across... The point does hang off a little bit onto an open area and I guess could burn. But what I do is I put a little foil at the end of that just to, just yeah. to, just to protect the, the, the end of the tip. And, man, I'll tell you, I just, I, I just love – I'm going to go on a limb here. I I, if I going to cook one brisket, I love using my offsets, but it comes out so delicious on the egg. And with it fat side up, I implore you, if you haven't done it in many years, give it a shot and try it with that method. that's
0: – that's why I love this yep. job, and that's why I love people. In Comes the out phenomenal. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no religion. Just do whatever works for you. you yeah, know? and and here's a little tip for you though. If you mm. want another tip, for I your love old tips. Uncle Buddha, hundred percent. So you've got Uncle Buddha, the vector, which <laughs> is the plate setter. Yeah, and that has the three openings. Which everybody, if they're not paying attention, they have to juggle the ribs. Why they burn on that side, or right. why are the wings more done over here, right? So in a true low and slow environment, if you have a large egg, I think it's a 18-inch diameter, if I'm not mistaken. Large is 18, and a,
2: 18 and a quarter.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so go get an 18-inch pizza pan, aluminum foil pizza pan, and cut out the front third. And then put that on top of your convector. It'll block the back two holes yeah. and allow just the front one. So you've got all the airflow that you need but you're blocking ah. off the other two. So you remove all of those extra heat zones. And if you position your barbecue correctly in the big green egg, you're not having to worry about that direct heat element that you have to move your stuff around with a lot in the cook. You, you have a more insulated environment.
2: And you're way. still getting a good and even cook, you feel when it's just one opening in
0: the, uh, Oh yeah. Comado. Cause okay. you're at such a low temperature. Yes. It's the ambient temperature, it actually helps because yep. there's not more oxygen getting down to the fuel. source. totally. Wow, nice. Love it! It's amazing.
2: Well,
1: that one somewhat con- covered uh, the number three fundamental of controlling temperature <laughs> in the barbecue zone. Yes, sir. So great segue. You like that segue? Yeah. You know what you're doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, hey. Uh, it, 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 what, so for me, that chapter was all about why. Why do? You, why is cooking this way so important? Why does it have to be under 300 degrees? Why does it have to be above 200 degrees? What happens in that zone? And what happens if you, you know, the one of the most common questions I get is, oh, my my goodness, I've tried to get it to 250, but the egg got too hot. It's 275 now. Now what do I do? So I wanted to deep dive in that chapter without getting too heady or too scientific as to what happens, what's happening with the physics, if you will, of heat transference from the fuel source into the protein, how it's traveling through the protein and how you need to think about it, and what heat and time, how they're relative in that in that scenario. Most importantly, why for you then, when you're thinking of cooking your brisket or your pork butt, you know, the internal temperature should never be over 210 degrees. Why? Because 212 degrees is the degree that water boils, and all of that beautiful fluid and collagen that you've broken down on that long cook, if you let it get too hot on the internal temperature, it will start evaporating that from the inside of the meat. So these are all little tips and tricks that people never think about that I wanted to put out in the book to at least have you now go, ah, that's why this happened on my cooker. That's why I'm not having this issue. I need to think about it a different way.
2: That's some engineer shit right there.
1: Welcome to the show, Greg. Welcome to the show. I was playing. That's an, some an engineer shit, right there. And and, and, and and you know and that would that's what makes this great. Hence the Buddha. is the the depth that yeah. you've gone into. Yep. Like you had said, I want to know well why. Okay, I'll do A, B, and C, but why?
2: Why? Why? Right. Why? I'm a but why guy.
0: I yeah, am. and and I, and I hope I hope you guys tell me that it's not too scientific. I you know my career. In IT, I was an executive, and so my job 90% of the time was explaining highly technical concepts to Mm -hmm. salespeople, right? So you've got to empower them to go out and know just enough to sound credible, but to do their job and sell. So I took that skill set, and I applied it to my barbecue life. I did the heavy lifting to learn what's happening at a chemical level and all of that. But then I translated into easy language in this book so the average backyard barbecue that isn't an engineer would get that aha moment and learn something.
1: And in, in in my opinion, you definitely hit that with how everything's worded, structured. It's beautiful. It's yep. beautiful. Absolutely. Now to the finish.
0: Ooh. What is the finish? So the finish is how the heck do you know when it's done? Right? <laughs> And that's where I, that's another good segue from temperature to the finish is if you take a look at the USDA recommendations, you know, they say pork is ready at 145. Well, if you served your pork butt at 145 or you served your ribs, it wouldn't be done, right? Or at least it wouldn't be the barbecue that you're expecting or that people are expecting. But then you can't really tell people, well, cook it to this temperature, because sometimes I've had ribs done at 195. Sometimes my ribs were done at 205. What are all the variables that go into that? The meat selection, the thickness of the meat, the fat, intramuscular fat, and all that stuff. So the finish is taking into account all of these variables. You want to be able to think, hey, this is the type of meat I have. This is the size of the meat I have this is the, uh, uh, the way I'm gonna cook it, the temperature I'm gonna cook it. It should be ready between this range, but then what are the other things that you need to think about in addition to temperature that are gonna tell you? Visual cues, is your bark set? You know, If you squ- spritz the bark, is it runny or has it been set on your bark? You know, That's a huge one. Um, probe tender, if you're putting your probe in to check the temperature, and it has resistance when you slide it in and out, then it's not ready. I always say it's like if you had a Ziploc bag filled with creamy peanut butter, it should feel like that. You know, a little resistance, but pretty much easy to go in and out. Yeah. And then uh, visual cues, like for ribs, my favorite one is the bend test. I cook my ribs until when I pick them up, they bend over, but they don't break, and the little little crack forms in the meat. So taking in all of these things... And, and applying it to the temperature and the time allows you to decouple from following a recipe saying, oh, well, the recipe said cook it for 10 hours into 205 and it should be done, but nobody liked my barbecue. If you look at all of those cues in totality that tell you when it's done, mm. you won't be hamstrung by the recipe. You'll <coughs> be in control of the recipe.
2: You know, the people that – that was the, it's the USDA that puts out the meat, you know, the chart of when meat is done. Is that right? Like right. medium, medium rare. Well, obviously they weren't barbecue people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: Well, they've got they it. They just never
2: said uh, that guy. I feel bad for the poor bastard that tried to cook a, uh, a brisket medium rare. Yeah. And then just like looked in the mirror and said, "What the hell did I do wrong here?" And his yeah. wife called him worthless, and now he's sleeping in the doghouse. All because of, experience? of the experience. Like, I just I got really out of the doghouse dog last, dog last week. House. I'm not in the doghouse anymore. Uh, My doghouse has a smoker in it, so I'll sleep out there. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. Wayne, you. what's up? Wayne, <laughs>
1: coming from us live from New Zealand. Wow, what's up, Welcome, Wayne? brother, welcome. So, Chris, while in our last couple minutes here, I have looked through the book, and like I said, I don't want to go dive too deep into the recipes because... You all need to get this book. Mm -hmm. So, but I picked out two that jumped right out at me because I found them extremely interesting. The Kentucky Hot Brown Stuffed Pork Loin. That's a mouthful, and I'm going to assume in many different ways.
0: Yes. Wow. So, if you're
1: familiar
0: (laughs) and your viewers (laughs) are familiar with the famous sandwich from Louisville, Kentucky... From the Brown Hotel. It's called the Hot Brown. And the, the, the origination of that sandwich was back in the 20s in, in the dancing clubs and stuff that the youngins would go to. All the chefs would then, when they were all done dancing and drinking, look in their leftovers and make these, like, you know, really heavy sandwiches to help everybody with their hangovers. So they took Mornay sauce. Bacon, tomatoes, turkey, and Texas toast, essentially, and baked it off, and that was the hot brown sandwich. It's an open-faced sandwich. Nice. So as I, my wife, Mrs. Buddha, is a, 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 a <laughs> Kentucky Louisville original, and I live there now. I wanted to pay some homage to my hometown, so I deconstructed the the hot brown sandwich, and instead of turkey, I did pork loin, and I took the cheese and the tomatoes, and I stuffed it, butterflied the pork loin. Season inside the pork loin, put the cheese and tomatoes in there, roll it up 420. Roll it up, yeah, that's right, dog.
2: <laughs> that's right, dog. Woohoo! Uh, and and uh, sorry, wrap it sorry. in bacon,
0: season it, and smoke it at 250 with some good, you know, apple wood. Yep. I like that with this dish. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm cooking ribs, oddly enough, and that was my timer to go Don't out look at spritz. Me. So oh. just, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I should drag the rig out there and show everybody the ribs of cooking. We must not be um, in a
2: humid environment
0: if you're spritzing. Yeah. And so, and then at the last 30 minutes, uh, you crank up the heat of your smoker so you can crisp up that bacon. And oh boy, it's good. That's such a teasing dish. And it's oh, great. Suggy Derby's coming up. Mm-hmm. weekends. It's a great recipe for your Derby Day party. Damn. Nice.
1: Delicious. Nice. Then the other was. I'm hungry.
0: We'll actually we get one more recipe,
1: then we'll let you get to your ribs. The smoked leg of lamb. Ooh. I have found that the leg of lamb has been popping up in different groups for conversation. And even uh, uh, my wife had saw one at our local butcher shop a couple weeks ago. I just did one about done. a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know,
2: so. I love some lamb
0: little tidbit on the leg of lamb. Mm-hmm. It's, it's another throwback to my hometown. Kentucky isn't very well known for barbecue in the barbecue world, say like North Carolina, Kansas City, and Texas. But they do have a claim to fame in the barbecue world, and that is mutton. Mutton, In yes. the yep. western side of Kentucky and Owensboro. They've got two famous uh, restaurants, barbecue restaurants there that are that are that pump out so much mutton, you can't even physically buy mutton inside of Kentucky. So, <laughs> to make it easy on the reader, I wasn't going to go with mutton. So I did my own spin on the Kentucky black barbecue sauce, which is Worcestershire vinegar. It's 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 almost like a North Carolina vinegar sauce. On steroids, it's really good. You could use that sauce and many other things. And that's and then I smoke this leg of lamb nice, low, and mm. slow, so it's shredded like um, like pulled pork. And then you just take that lamb, that smoky goodness lamb with the crust on it, and you dip it into that black sauce, and it's so delicious. It's so good. And awesome. different. Jesus.
1: Oh, amazing. like I said, it was it was definitely a different recipe for
2: sure, for sure. I need to know more about that. Okay. One shot, Baloney. he has to switch. No, that's it. Bologna burn ends. I, I don't. You don't have to go into it, but
0: wow. Does so the well, two things on ridiculous. that one, because I forgot to mention bragging on myself. It was a terrible decision at the time I was writing the book, but it ended up being a pretty good bragging thing. Not only was I the author <laughs> and the recipe writer. But I did all the food photography myself. So oh, yeah? Oh, the no shit. Do the, a lot of the people that do uh, the books for Page Street will hire a photographer. I didn't realize I should have hired a photographer until I was in the <laughs> middle of writing and recipe creating. I was That's like, and now great. I've got to do the food photography as well. That's but, fantastic. Uh, so so I did all the food photography uh, a very I found, was very lucky I found a person named Sarah locally in Louisville that works for Yum Brands who does food styling who helped me do the setup for the shots and everything. Yep. Uh, but that one that was a I could say this on the show. If not, you all edit it out in real well, time. Have it all it was a four it was a four twenty night inspired conversation with my best friend when I was trying to think of recipes for yep. the book. Yep. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, uh, pork belly burn ends were all the rage then. Yeah. And I was like, well, what? It? And then I saw somebody do like poor man's burnt ends with hot dogs. And I was like, well, I'm going to smoke a whole chub of bologna. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do like a pork belly. Yeah. Then I'm going to cube it up. Then I'm gonna sauce it Oof. and smoke it again. Yeah. And then I'm gonna serve that with a kimchi slaw, which that uh, kimchi slaw is that makes awesome.
2: the difference. That that's so just the, that's the difference maker. You got a little bit of sesame seed on there. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. I like, I'm making I'm it.
2: it. I'm making it, what, Chrissy. What, what,
0: what is my spin? You better be bring some for me. Everybody can read Rodney Scott's book or Aaron Franklin's book. There's great barbecue masters. I like my barbecue, but I'm not going to teach you all any new spins on brisket, ribs, and things. So I wanted to do a lot of recipes that reflected the types of food and the influences I like to do. I love it, is, dude. You know, Pan-Asian. It's, so. a, it's amazing. Awesome. Thanks well, so much, Awesome,
1: brother. Chris. Thank you for taking some time to join us today to talk about this incredible book best of luck with the book i know it's going to be a success absolutely um where can everybody find you social media wise websites all that
0: so uh i have a website the barbecue buddha so it's dot com. links so are in you the description my blogs you can order the book there or on amazon My Instagram handle is the same words, but I put underscores. Had I thought about all of this early on, I wouldn't have done that, but that's what I did. So it's at T-H-E underscore B-B-Q underscore B-U-D-D-H-A. And you can find me on Facebook. I even have a YouTube channel. uh, So you can get me all over the place in addition to.
1: Awesome. And the book is available, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all over the place.
0: All over the place and in in some bookstores as well. Uh, It just was released in Europe. It was only available for the first month uh, via e-book, and now they get in the physical copy. So it's cool to see people in Europe tag me and show that they're getting the book. (laughs) Awesome. And I just put on my website for those that like to get authors autographs. um, I just put on my website a link so you could buy an autographed copy from me. I'll sign it, send it to you, let me know what you want to say, and then I'll be back in Louisville in two weeks, and I'm going to be doing a string of live book signings awesome. and hope to be a dizzy pig later this summer to do a live book signing in Northern Virginia. So cool. cool. Man, good luck with cool. all that, man. Awesome. That's well,
1: once again, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. This was awesome. So much information. Like I said, I am I geek out on barbecue stuff, and, yeah. Yeah. and uh, the the... The deep diving into some of the topics is right up my alley. So, it's far, from my words, great job. Great job. Great job. Well, 100%. I hope we
0: all get to smoke a stick, eat some barbecue, and drink some bourbon together. If you're ever in Louisville, look, look me up. you got a place to come and crash. Awesome. Awesome. You. Thank
2: awesome.
0: you, brother. Thanks, get bro. to spritzing yeah.
1: them ribs. All
2: right. Awesome. Uh, awesome. All uh, right. Stick with us for a minute while we uh, do the outro. Yeah. Oh, you gotta go spritz, forget it. You gotta go spritz. Let him go. Take That's off. it. All right, take off, brother.
0: We're good, brother. We're you good. We're
2: good. good, we're good. Later, bro. All right. <laughs> Here's the
0: spritz bottle. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> awesome, bro. All
2: right, man. Later, bro. Uh, we do stuff. have
1: an announcement to make. Yeah. We are, it is in the final stages of fine tuning, but everyone's favorite uncle. Uncle Steve mm-hmm. is coming out with a new shake.
2: Oh, yeah. The oh,
1: South Texas, Texas Red. Red. And let me tell you, it's got a kick.
2: It's going to light your ass on fire. It's going to light you up pretty Uh-oh. good. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, It's delicious.
1: Yeah. I, um,
2: it's one of those things. I tried
1: it on Saturday at your house, and you got a good kick because the pepper flake. Got me in the back of the throat he, and I was oh like no. oh he just turned a little yeah. bit went, red he, he looked at me and he just started dumping yeah, water in his cup oh. you, you, could, you could get the you see the pepper flake in, red pepper flake in there it's delicious the, the jalapeno awesome. powder oh. outstanding so yep keep your ears to the grindstone on this one we will let you know when it is available you got it but uh it's coming out the <clears throat> South Texas Red good. from Uncle Steve Shake.
2: Put that shit on everything. Damn yeah. right. <laughs> What's going on next week?
1: Next week. Whoo, baby. I am excited. Brother Randy Salinas. Oh, Big Salinas. Big Salinas Barbecue. Yep. Um, will be joining us. Talk Ooh. about his line of sauces, his rubs, his podcast that yep. he does with his brother Junior. Yep. And uh, it's gonna be a great episode. Dude, we're going back to Texas,
2: baby. That Woo. sauce the sauces were Yeehaw. damn good. Level that shit up. It was they were <laughs> delicious. So nice.
1: Yes, we'll have a lot to talk about. Alright, so yeah, Randy Salinas joining us live next Tuesday. But that's it for this week, folks. We'd oh, like that. to thank you all for joining us. Yep. Catch the audio wherever podcasts are found. Catch the video on Facebook and YouTube. On YouTube, hit that subscribe bell and notification bell. You'll have all our episodes right there at your fingertips. On social media, you can find us at all the links. In the description. They're right down there somewhere. Questions yeah. and comments, send them to pitlifebbqpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And like always, subscribe, like, rate, and review. Hit that share button. Mm-hmm. Get your copy of the four fundamentals of smoking. You will not be disappointed.
2: I'm going to make baloney burn ends. I'm going to make baloney burn ends. Baloney burn ends. Oh, you're full of baloney! Shut oh, up! Oh goodness!
1: And on that note, till til next we, week, keep, keep the, the smoke, smoke rolling. rolling.
0: Bye, Uncle Dave. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners, or affiliates.